Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Once again, uh, I want to say happy 4th of July to everybody, or the weekend. I guess this is uh, 4th of July Eve. Uh, uh, what, a, what a great time we get to celebrate our nation, the freedom that we get. Uh, still the greatest nation in the world. Um, I have been blessed to go to 42 different nations uh, get 43 in Cameroon uh, when I go later this year. Uh, but uh, uh, of the 42 nations plus America I've been to, it ain't none better. Uh, and so just uh, so so pleased to live in a nation where we can worship Jesus together. And uh, even when we're walking through stuff uh, as a nation, we, we have the freedom to worship Jesus. And today, as we continue looking at This Is Jesus, we're going to be looking at uh, how Jesus is God's grace to us. Last week, we looked at justice and mercy um, and, and how, you know, justice is God giving us what we deserve. Anybody remember what we deserve? Heaven. Heaven's what you deserve, Christian. Heaven's what you deserve. Otherwise, the cross was pointless. Christian, heaven's what you deserve. Unbeliever, you can join in with that. Uh, so he gave us heaven with his justice because he made a way where there was no way because of his mercy that we looked at, which mercy is taking away what you deserve. So justice, you get what you deserve. Mercy is removing what you deserve. So punishment uh, was removed and we got the mercy. And then today we're looking at God's grace, which is giving us what we don't deserve. Uh, Him just lavishing gift after gift. Another way to look at grace is favor. God favors you or you're God's favorite Anybody like being somebody's favorite? It's nice when uh, you're like, oh, I'm his favorite, I'm her favorite. You know, kids fight over being the favorite of the, of the family and all that. Uh, we, we love being a favorite and you're God's favorite. That's what grace is in the form of Jesus because of what he did, which we'll celebrate later with communion. If you're listening online, uh, watching online, listening to the radio, uh, get your communion elements because we're going to be taking communion later today. Um, But grace is that favor that God poured upon us and he gave us eternal life. He gave us a family. He gave us a home. He gave us a future. Uh, We have no idea how amazing heaven is going to be because God's been working on it from the beginning. And so he's going to give us an eternal home called heaven. Uh, He actually moves heaven onto the new earth when he comes, which is wild. Uh, We'll talk about that when we do our Revelation series um, uh, later this year and into next year. but today as we look at God's grace in the form of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to look at the big idea that, that grace is the unmerited, unearned, and unlimited grace. That's Jesus. It's, it's, it's unmerited. We don't deserve it. It's unearned. We can't get it on our own. And it's unlimited. It just keeps going forever. Jesus is God's grace. He became one of us to save all of us. God's grace, it, it frees us from the, the bondage of sin, from, uh, from the punishment. It gives us full rights as his sons and daughters because we get adopted into the family of God. It enables us to walk with Jesus in this new life that he has given us. And, and so we're going to look at three amazing aspects of God's grace today, those three that I mentioned, as we wind our way towards communion and then, and then stop and pause and remember the most amazing moment 
of God's love and compassion that's ever been shown at the cross. The first verse we're going we're gonna to dive into is from Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, and we're going to look at the, 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 the point of unmerited, that grace that is unmerited. You see, nothing, nothing we ever do makes us deserving of, of God's grace. Unmerited, another, another way to say it is not, not deserved. Yet, yet he freely gives that to us. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. God's grace is amazing. I am not. God's grace is amazing. You are not. Now he says, you're worth it. You're worthy. But amazing only can be applied to those things of God. And then, and then we come into the family of God. We get the identity of Jesus and we become that. But nothing I do is amazing. I just put my hand up and say, I'll, I'll take that. I'll accept that. If, if I can do anything at all, as Paul's telling us here, if, if, if I can do anything at all to get to heaven or, or better myself in God's eyes or earn his acceptance, then, then I become amazing and grace is just whatever. But that's not the point. All throughout scripture, Paul's, especially Paul himself, he's telling us over and over, hey, that grace is a gift that was just given to you, never earned by you. I love the message version of, of verse 9. It says this, we don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. But grace is amazing. People who sin get forgiveness. People who are a tragic mess get cleaned up and accepted. People who are all about themselves, get loved unconditionally in spite of themselves, probably for the first time ever. People who are hurt are healed. People who are alone are brought into the greatest family ever. That's grace. We don't deserve that. And yet he makes it happen along with hundreds and thousands of other things he does in our life. That gift, that favor on you, that grace is amazing. Nothing you ever do is amazing. It's always about Jesus and what he does. Have you ever done something really stupid? Anyone in here ever done something really stupid? I know a lot of you raise your hands. Now, I remember I was thinking about this this week about doing something stupid, and the first story that came to my mind, which I have a lot, is that what I call the great potato gun catastrophe of 96. Um, so I was a youth pastor in San Marcos, at my home church, and me and my boys, they, they came to me, and they're like, Pastor Scott, we need to make a potato gun. I'm like, yes, we do. So we made a potato gun. We made it a little too big, um, and we took it outside. I don't know why. I, I made a lot of mistakes this day. Um, first one was to stand in the parking lot and shoot it over cars. And then we're like, we're shooting in the field, and it's going good. I got about six boys with me. But we're just hitting in the field. We're like, we need to aim at something. So the transformer. Let's aim at the transformer. It's right there. I'm sure if the potato hits, it'll just splat, and that'll be good. Now, we couldn't hit the transformer, but Jim Bob happened to get tired, like, walking across the parking lot. And after shooting the potato gun a few times, he got tired, and so his arm drops 
Pastor Bullock, my lead pastor, had just bought, it was 96, he had a 97 Chevy Silverado, brand new, parked right over there. Jim Bob's arm drops, he shoots, goes right through the passenger window, it hits the driver window, doesn't break the driver's window, but splatters all over. His office is behind us. He's got this giant bay window with curtains. Jim Bob hands me the gun, and as I grab it, I look, and the curtains part like the Red Sea. <laughs> Pastor Bullock is a former colonel. I knew him most of my life as Colonel Bullock, and the curtains open, and I'm like, oh, I've never died before, so this is <laughs> going to be awesome. He's standing there. He has no uh, screen or anything, so he's just looking. He looks. He looks back. The boys are like, oh, so they run. I can't run, I work there. He walks outside and he goes, Scott, what do you need to do now? And I said, well, I need to buy you a new window and clean up the potato glass mess in your front seat uh, because, yeah, we did that. And he goes, no, what you need to do is take those boys to get something to eat Go get some more supplies for potato guns because that looks like a lot of fun and we're going to make a potato gun for each of us. And he said, insurance can pay for that. I want to have some fun with you guys. Now, I don't know, you know, I've known, I knew Pastor Bullock my, most of my life. I uh, worked for him for two years. Um, I can't really tell you if somebody said, what's the main thing he ever taught you as a pastor, as a minister, training, equipping? I, I can't tell you one thing. I do know that man loved me, and I do know that man was for me, and that story will always go with me because he gave me a grace that I didn't deserve. And then on top of removing, it was basically mercy, I didn't have to pay for it, but grace in that he's like, go feed him. Go get the supplies, we're going to build them. And then we went out, and he's like, let's shoot at something, you know, legit, not dumb. But, but I learned the grace of a good man that day, and, and I got a, a closer picture of, of who the, the Father God is. I sure knew he loved me that day. You see, when we do something stupid, and then we come to the Father, he always takes care of it. Every time. Yeah, but Scott, what about, no, if you do something stupid, wrong, sinful, and you go to the Father, you're going to the source, the place of healing, forgiveness, grace, compassion, mercy. You're going to the one who can do whatever he wants to bless his sons and daughters. And so he was always for you. And he will always take you through it, clean you up fix you, heal you, forgive you. Because of Jesus, he's God's grace to us. Because of the cross that did the work, we're good in the eyes of God. We just have to come to him, come back to him, kneel before him, turn. That's repent. One of the main things of repenting is turn around. Stop. Turn around. Go back to the place of healing where there's, there's a well that'll never run dry. God's just so gracious. Sometimes he feels too gracious. Anybody screw up so much in life, you're just like, I think I finally tapped him out. Like he's not, he doesn't have any more in his well for me. He always, always has grace for you. He just sometimes feels too gracious, but it's like, so be it. So what if he feels too good and too gracious? 
Is that a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, is that ever a bad thing for someone to be too gracious, too kind, too compassionate, too loving to you? If you say it's a bad thing because you can fill in all the blanks, yeah, but what about you're probably struggling in your identity in Christ. And he wants to heal you today and prove to you today. We sing the song about he's always proving. He owes us nothing, but he loves to prove himself to us. Isn't that cool? That's a good dad we have there. Grace covers the stupid things we do. Grace covers the intentionally stupid things we do. God's that good because Jesus paid it all. So our goal today is that that we would live set free because we are in the grace and the mercy and the justice of God. And then we would live to give that grace away, that freedom away, because people are bound, people are lost, people are believing lies, people don't understand the truth of God, they don't, they don't know, they might have a, a measurement of belief, but then they add in uh, stuff the world's taught them or religion's taught them or whatever, and so we have to be the, the grace of God. They might screw up terribly bad, and we can go to them and we can go, hey, you know what you need to do now? And they're thinking, oh, the hammer's about to drop. And you can go, man, I, I know you messed up, but I forgive you. Or I know you messed up, but let's, man, let's pray. Let's let God just wash over you. You bring them the message of grace when they're expecting the, me- measure, uh, the, the message of judgment on their life. The second one that we're looking at is unearned. Romans 11.6 gives us a great picture of grace being unearned. See, nothing we can do can earn us God's grace. Otherwise, it would be by our own, our own efforts. And, and, of course, we just can't work our way to heaven. So, so in verse 6 of, of chapter 11 of Romans, Paul is explaining the difference between grace and works. And he says, And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved, free and undeserved. We don't earn that. The truth is that salvation is God's gift through Jesus. It's grace given to us. It's faith. We step into it. And, and, and that makes salvation real. The, the grace of God and, and the faith that we step into, the only thing we do in, in our you know, salvation story really is say yes. By faith, I say yes, and then salvation becomes real in our lives. We never earn it or, you know, checkbox it or or, or get to a certain, you know, percentage level to finally get in. You know, you're not on a waiting list unless the waiting list is something that you put yourself on, and you're waiting to give in and give up and and accept the, the free gift of grace. So when we're transformed by God's grace... We become his new creation, and, and, then, and then the works naturally flow from us. I don't work to earn anything, but when I step into a love relationship with God, I naturally begin to serve and volunteer and give my life away and be generous with, with my life and, and look for ways that I can uh, serve the kingdom, serve in the church, serve people. 
use my time, my talents, my treasure to, to give my life away because I love God that much with, with, because of all he's done, not to stay in good standing, but it just comes from me. Works are not the cause of our salvation, they're the result. The presence of works is the testimony of Jesus' work in your life. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul does such a great job of, of taking Abraham and then, and then wrapping up with, with David, uh, talking about the difference between grace and works. And he said, hey, when you, when you earn a wage, you're working for that wage. You work, you earn the money, you get paid. Grace is you get paid for doing nothing. You know, it'd be like if you, you know, you worked at Taco Bell, and so you worked for your check every, every week or every two weeks, whatever, and then all of a sudden, Alan Williams from Chick-fil-A comes over one day, and he says, hey, here's a check from my, my Chick-fil-A business account. That would be grace. Taco Bell's check to you would be works. Alan doesn't owe you anything, and you have done nothing to get it. He would just come over because he loves Jesus. I'm not saying he's going to do that. And if he brings you, he might, you might be better, have a better shot at getting a chicken sandwich, but... But it's just a gift. It's a gift. You have done nothing for it. You haven't even gotten close to doing anything for it. You, you're living in Burnett. You're working at Taco Bell. You don't even go there. And yet he comes and just gives you money. That's a gift. Grace is never worked for. The third aspect we're going to look at is grace being unlimited. John 1.16 talks to us, and, or write, uh, the, the author, the apostle John, uh, the disciple writes, and, and he's talking about how nothing can limit God's grace. And because God is infinite, and grace isn't something he does, it's something he is, so infinite God is grace, he can't run out. If, he, if somebody has something, they can run out of it. If they are something, they'll have it until their very end, and God has no end. He is grace. He is infinite. Grace is then infinite to you and I. Yeah, but what about? No, no, what about? If you're going to struggle, at least struggle forward and, and, and question, hey, Jesus, but what about when I did these 17 things? He's like, forgiven. I did that at the cross, actually. I'll remind you you're forgiven, but I forgave you at the cross 2,000 years ago. So John... 1 verse 16 says this, from his fullness, God's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This means over and over again. From God's fullness, his full love, unconditionally loving heart, we all receive grace over and over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over, dot, dot, dot. It just keeps going. You cannot out God's grace. Don't try, <laughs> but you can't. I mean, even Paul writes, where sin abounds, grace does what? Bounds much more. Not just more, much more. Because God's always a much more God. Our ushers are going to begin to hand out the communion elements now. And as they do, just hold on to those. And we're going to take communion together uh, in, in just a, a little bit here. But thinking of God's unlimited grace. 
for you, for every lost person, for every sinner, for everyone broken, for everyone uh, stuck in something. He has grace. Grace is typically, probably most often shown in the form of forgiveness. Compassion, yes. Uh, Love, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, Acceptance, uh, joy, all those things. But, But the grace of forgiveness is canceling the debt you owe that you cannot pay. How many times... Have you been forgiven? Can you tell me the number of times? Anybody want to, you know, uh, give me, give me a, an estimated answer? How many times do you think you've been forgiven? Every time. Every time. Somebody been forgiven? I've been forgiven ten times. You wish. That was it. If you're four, I don't know. A million times? How many times have you been forgiven of that one sin that you struggle with, that one habit that you keep going back to, that one thing that sucks you back in or that you let suck you back in? How many times do you think you've been forgiven of that? Some people out there, you might be saying, I, I don't know if, if, he has, if he forgives me anymore of that. That's the enemy lying to you about the character of God. God is grace. Jesus showed it to us when he walked on planet earth and when he hung on the cross. Grace is not deserved, it's never earned, and it's limitless. So the forgiveness of God is limitless. When he says 70 times 7 as as far as forgiveness goes, you can just keep adding times 7 to that, and it never ends. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. The debt you owe, forgiven. The bill you can't pay, it's forgiven. Canceled at the cross. It's unlimited over and over again. Grace upon grace. I love what the the, uh, NLT also says. It says, from his abundance, his abundant heart, we've all received one gracious blessing after another. The reason Paul spoke about grace so much, he actually began, began and ended every letter he wrote in the New Testament, which I think there's 13, 12 or 13 of his. I should probably know that as a pastor, but uh, I'll say 13, and then if I'm wrong, you know, then I'm wrong. He, he started and he ended every letter with grace. You think he wanted us to get the point? Grace to you, grace be with you, over and over Again, it's because grace is amazing and, and it's what we have to have in our hearts and in our minds. We need to go back to it all the time. It's one of the things I love about Communion Sundays. We stop and we pause and we remember not just his death, which was amazing, not just his, his sacrifice, which is, you can't even put it into words, not just, not just his love, but the, the grace that said forgiven, forgiven. And so we pause and we remember And then it becomes a part of our testimony, the gospel says. God is for you. And Jesus is literally the way he showed us his favor. He gave us Jesus, the Trinity God, Father, Son, Spirit, gave us Jesus on planet earth to show us the grace of God. 
so that his justice could then say, now heaven. His mercy could, could say, now you owe nothing. You owe nothing. Grace is just amazing. And the cross was really the handout of grace. I love thinking of the, the, what the cross is, and, and I, I don't know about you, but you probably have certain things in your life. You're like, oh, I love that part. I'm going to constantly look for new ways to define it or, or describe it or look for a story that fits with it. When I, think, I was thinking about the cross this week, and I was like, the cross was the handout of amazing grace. At the cross, grace was just poured out to you and I, not deserved at all. Jesus' death, the single most tragic and glorious moment in history. He had to die so we could live, and he was joy-filled to do it, the scriptures tell us. God's justice to kill death, to end the debt of sin, and to satisfy the payment owed for rebellion. God's mercy to remove a punishment that we deserve but couldn't take care of. So that we could be adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters. God's amazing grace that saved us all and gave us a new life forever. So I'm going to ask you to take your, uh, the, the, the piece of bread you have. We're going to take communion in just a moment. But on the night he was betrayed, we read that Jesus was having supper with his disciples and and he was going to give them something that we still take to this day and, and remember routinely as believers of the living God and followers of King Jesus. And so he tore the bread and he gave them each a piece of bread. And he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. When this happens tomorrow, I love you. The next time you sin and you realize you're forgiven, I love you. It's all for you. And so he said, I give my body in your place so that you don't have to. And so God, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ given to us on Calvary 2,000 years ago that says, I'm made whole because he was broken. And so we take this with thankful and grateful hearts today, remembering that you, God, made a way where there was no way. Let's take the bread together. And he took the cup. And he said, this cup represents my blood. Blood has to be spilled for the forgiveness of sins. So I will spill my blood to cover all of you and everyone else who believes for all eternity. So, whenever you drink this cup, remember you're forgiven. Everyone in here today, as you drink this in just a moment, I, I pray that the, that the words forgiven for all time just resonate in your brain and pierce your heart. And that you understand that's a good thing. Jesus was joy-filled to pour out his blood so that you could know him, so that you could live with him forever, and so that the place that was created for Satan and his demons called hell would never be your place of eternity. 
People put themselves in hell. No one is put in hell except Satan and the demons. God created heaven and made a way for us to find our way back to heaven for everyone. Jesus paid it all. He made a way where there's no way. He became one of us to save all of us. So, so God, I, I thank you for your willingness to pour out the blood of your son. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice in our place to pour out your blood for the forgiveness of sins for all time. And so we take the cup now, hearing forgiven, forgiven, forgiven over and over again. Paul says, as often as we do that, that we declare the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So whenever we take communion together, we're evangelizing to the world around us that Jesus did that. He made that happen. So we thank you, Jesus, for that unmerited, unearned, unlimited favor on our lives. I want to end it by, by telling a story uh, about the picture of grace. Some of you might know this story. It happened in 2006 in Pennsylvania. It's known as the Amish school shooting. There was a troubled mid-30-year-old husband and dad who went into a a small schoolroom full of Amish kids and kicked some of them out and he tied up 10 kids and barricaded himself in and he shot all 10 of them and then he killed himself and five of the, they were all girls, five of the girls died in this small Amish community um, and, and of course it, it made headline news and it was just a, a tragic thing. Uh, at, the, at the funeral, so he, he's a, he's a dad uh, and a husband, so he leaves a widow and three kids and a mom and a dad in that small community, uh, probably not much bigger than ours, um, if that even. And, and so when they're having the, the funeral, the, the graveside, it's just the mom and the dad, the minister, the widow, and the three kids. They're the only ones there, and there's probably 30 news crews um, in, in the parking lot area, all filming all of a sudden, as the funeral begins, you see 30 to 40 Amish people, because they dress, obviously, in, in their, their normal outfits, so they're easy to spot. They come walking in. The crews are turning on them. They go, they form a U-shaped barrier between the family and the news crews so that no one could film what was going on behind them. And they began to pray for the family. As it goes on and moves forward days and days, the the Amish kept coming to the mom and to the, the widow and bringing, bringing meals and telling him, we, we've forgiven him. We've forgiven him for what he's done. The dads of the ones who lost daughters would come and say, what can I do for you? Not only do we forgive him because we're not going to be bound by, by, by that pain, but, but just so you know, if you feel awkward, if you feel uh, uh, weird around us, you're forgiven too, even though you've done nothing to us. And so the, the Amish community rallied around the family of the murderer and began to just lavish grace upon grace upon grace to them. The mom wrote a book later. Her name is Terry about the way the community responded. And she said, they came to tell us they forgave him and they were here for us. 
And then they began to financially and physically take care of the needs of the widow and the three kids of the shooter. They, they made sure they had everything they needed. They fixed everything because, you know, they're great at construction. They took care of that family until those kids graduated from high school. They took care of that family. The, the mom said, as she wrote the book, it all felt too gracious. It was hard to accept this undeserved favor, the, the grace of forgiveness and care. One Amish dad of a, of a, of a little girl who got killed said this, none of us would have ever chosen this, but the relationships that we have built through it, you can't put a price on that. None of us would have ever chosen to make Jesus die for us. But God chose, and the cross was always the plan, because the plan was always to save everyone, so Jesus was filled with joy to pay it all. It's the only way back following the cross of Christ and the billions of relationships that have been built through the cross you just can't put a price on that I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to worship God now with a couple songs and the first one we're going to sing is called Jesus paid it all oh, go ahead. and my request to you during this especially this first song of worship is, man, if you need to make something right with God or you need to accept the free gift of grace that is constantly being presented to you, just do it. Give in and make something right. Give in and accept the gift. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer. And so what you need to do is accept the gift of eternal life, which is offered to you at every moment you breathe. But you have to choose by faith to say yes. I don't understand it all, but I say yes. I will take the gift. I will open it. It will be mine because I did nothing for it. And maybe you're here and, and lordship is a struggle for you. You believe, but you struggle following. You believe, but maybe you call yourself a backslider. You believe, but you're like, I'm not that good at the Jesus thing. Man, just say, Jesus, help me. You paid it all. So, so you got to be on my side. So, Holy Spirit, would you just come and help me live it out? Make something right if you need to make something right. Submit your life to him if that's what you need to do. And for those that, that are here and you're, you're following believers of Jesus, if there's something you're struggling with, man, let it go. He paid for it. Let it go. It does, it does not deserve to own you in any way. Let it go and let him just lavish his love upon you. Worship him in spirit and truth as we wrap up our, our service here today, remembering that his grace upon grace upon grace is for you over and over and over again. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.